We are in James chapter 1 today, continuing on in our sermon series called True Faith, out of the book of James. We're on page 1011, if you're using a pew Bible this morning. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This is the word of the Lord. We're continuing to walk through the book of James, and we began with count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, and talked about the fact that trials are purposeful. They're not random. They're not happenstance. If you're God's child, they are purposeful. They are to accomplish, the scripture says, as we move on and have moved on in that text, they are to create steadfastness that then leads us to be lacking in nothing. So there's a purpose in trials when they come. God's hand is over them. And I hope you're seeing that. I hope you're realizing when difficulty comes that it is not random. God is purposely designing and working in your life. We also talked about the fact that trials are not traps. God doesn't set us up. That's a, that's a lie of Satan. He doesn't set his children up in, in some kind of trap to catch them. But he has purposeful plans to produce something in our lives through them. And I think as we begin to see them that way, it changes how we live. It changes how we respond to them in our lives. And he also gives us the promise, and we talked about it, that if anyone lacks wisdom when they come, that we can ask. And he gives us freely help, graciously extends help and wisdom to us. He's not begrudging in that. So I hope those have been helpful things. Certainly, um, we're walking through some difficult times as we prayed about this morning, this drought. We... We came into that after we began the book of James, but I hope you're seeing those as purposeful things that have come into your life and that you're walking through the book of James. I hear some of you pray James in these days, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that the word is, is taking root and helping, and I hope it continues to do that. Well, this morning we're going to move on to another section of that, and James kind of just does it in rapid fire. He just hits something and goes on to the next thing. And today, the text says very succinctly to us here in this text that we are to be quick to hear, brothers. Be quick to hear. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what does he mean by that? What are we to hear What do we be quick to hear? And I think the context of this text would be the word. We're to be quick to hear the word. The word, the scriptures. We're to be quick about hearing it. Why? I think we've talked about this some. 
Um, there's a couple of reasons why it's important. We're going to talk about what it means to be quick in just a minute. We're going to go through a litany of things, which I think are, are what it means to be quick to hear. But a couple of things to lay foundation underneath that. The, the reason we need to be quick to hear is because it is the word, and I hope we are, are getting this really driven into us in these days. It is the word that brings us to life. It is the word. And it is the word that sustains life. It is the word that brings us to life. And it is the word that sustains life. If you're a believer today, if you have put the full weight of your hope in Christ and he's brought you to life in him, he's given you the gift of faith, planted in your heart, brought you to life. It it was through the means of the word in some way, some form. The scripture says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ, or the word of God. Faith comes from hearing, hearing something, hearing the word. And it is the word that God uses to bring us to life. I thought back in my life about this. Now, you don't always realize that when it happens. And you see it sometimes more as you look back in your life. But as I look back in my life, I've told that story a number of times, didn't grow up in the church but my earliest recollection of hearing the word, the first time I really remember hearing the word, I remember, and as I recollected, this, this part of the recollection could be wrong, the word that I recollect is not, but as I recollect it back and kind of put it together, I, I remember being in another room and Billy Graham was speaking on the television. And to be honest with you, in those days, when he was speaking, I tried to get about as far away as I could because God was beginning to put a kind of healthy fear in my heart. But I didn't like it sometimes when I would hear him, and he made me uncomfortable. But I remember the word that he spoke was the word, if we deny him, he will deny us. If we deny him, he will deny us. And I don't, I don't, totally remember the timing of all of this in that process that God was beginning to draw my heart. But I certainly remember that text. And after that text, I I really tried to make efforts to not deny him. I've, I maybe told the story of, of beginning to kneel down beside my bed every night uh, before I would go to bed. If I'd wake up in the night and I hadn't prayed, I would I would crawl out onto my cold basement floor and kneel and pray. Um, I remember one time I was in my bedroom, uh, and it was time for bed, and my parents were out in the family room in our basement, and uh, and I remembered that I hadn't prayed. I remembered I, I slipped out of bed to kneel to pray, um, but I did it in a way that they couldn't see me. I was I was in the doorway in a way that was not visible, and this text came to me. If we deny him, he'll deny us. And I began to move over. I, I, I remember instinctively just moving over. I, I didn't want to be guilty of denying him. It was that text that God used over a period of time, I think, to, to lead me to the place when the gospel really was heard to respond. I was ready. I've told you that. I, I think I would have responded sooner if somebody would just told me the good news. I knew, I knew these texts. God was using these texts, but I hadn't heard the good news I hadn't heard the message of what I was to respond to. 
And, and ultimately, God did that when I was a senior in high school, and I responded. But it was the word, the, the word. Faith cometh by, the, by hearing the word, the word of God. And so if, if you're a believer today, I would, I would believe that someplace in your life you heard a word. Maybe it's clear to you, and you know exactly, as I seem to know here. Maybe you don't know exactly. But the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ, the word of God. It is the word that brings life. It's God's means to bring life. He implants that word in our hearts. And so certainly, if that's the case, ministry ought to be by the word. It ought, it ought to lead whatever else we do. The word has to lead that, the, the truth of the word. But it also sustains life. Not only does it bring life, but it sustains life. In Colossians 3.16, Paul writes these words. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Why? Because it sustains your life. Jesus said in the, in the period of the temptation in the wilderness, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds or comes from the mouth of God. How does man live? How did the God-man live? By every word that proceeded from the Father. Should we do any less? And, and we can't do any less. That's, that's how we live. That's how our life is sustained. We'll come back to that a bit at the end in this text that we're looking at. But both life is begun and it is sustained by the word. It is so crucial. It is so crucial in our lives. It is so significant. And there is a danger, I think, in our day and age in living by second-hand knowledge of that word. Now, second-hand knowledge isn't necessarily wrong or bad. It's good. But, but we need first-hand knowledge. And by second-hand knowledge, somebody told us it says. Or somebody says the word says. But they, we don't see, read it ourselves. It's not, it's not a direct thing. It comes indirectly to us. And that's beneficial. But I think if it's that important, it ought to come direct to us. We ought to have it as a steady diet of our lives. If, if it's how we live, it's how we sustain our spiritual life. It's how God does it. We wouldn't go without food very long, would we? Because we know it sustains our life. And in the same way, the word of God sustains the spiritual life of his people. Now, I believe the scripture that he who began a good work will bring that work to completion. I'm confident of that God, but he does it by means. And he does it by means of the word. It is the word that sustains it. And the the thing that just doesn't really need to be said, but I'm going to say it is, if that's the case, then we can we can just assume that Satan will do everything. The enemy of our soul will do everything to keep us from it. I mean, what his job is to eat faith. That's what Satan's job is, is, just to chew it up, to destroy it. He hates it. And so certainly he's going to use the means and try to keep that from those who is to be their source of their faith. And so you can believe he's going to do everything he can to keep you from it. In fact, when you need it most... He's going to attempt to convince you you need it least. When everything in you 
takes you away from it. That's when you need it most, and he's going to be fueling that. He's going to work. He, the enemy of our soul wants to destroy our faith, and the way he does it is keeping us from the word, putting roadblocks to the word in our life. Now, what I want to do is just quickly, and I mentioned to you that we, we do have to leave pretty quickly after the service, but just to quickly share some things about hearing. Just some, some kind of practical things, which I think are tied to this text. And they come out of this text. In fact, James is incredibly practical. This book is a practical book. But I think these are the things that this text tells us about, about hearing the word. First thing that I would say to you is to hear, we must have a Bible. We must have the word. I mean, you can't hear it unless you have it. I'm kind of old-fashioned that way. I grew up in uh, in Christ and became a Christian in 1973. And it was in vogue then, if if you were a believer, to, to have a Bible, to have it, to have it, carry it. In fact, I remember wondering about taking it to school. That in that particular period of time, God, there was a movement, I think, of God in our in our country then among young people. And uh, that's when the, the living Bible, which I wouldn't recommend for a steady diet in any way, shape, or form now, but it had just come come out. It was it's a paraphrase, really, of the King James Version. And the first Bible I had was that. I had a reach-out New Testament. But I remember the difference. I had tried to read Scripture before that, and that whole trek God drawing my heart and not wanting to deny him and wanting to follow him. I I had attempted to read the Bible at times, but it just didn't get sustained. I remember collecting those Gideon Bibles when they got passed out in fourth or fifth grade, whenever they were. I had, By the time I got home, I had five or six of them I'd traded for. Um, I thought that may be more spiritual. I had them, but I couldn't read them, couldn't understand them. But when I became a Christian, when I gave my life to Christ in 1973, when I really heard the gospel and responded as best I could to it in faith, um, I, something changed. I, and, and somebody gave me, fortunately, right away, they gave me a Bible, a reach-out New Testament. I began to read it. It began to come alive to me. Began to, I began to understand things I couldn't understand before. It was a wonderful time. But, but I'm old-fashioned in the sense that I think if, if we're going to be believers, we, we need a Bible, need a Bible, and it needs to be precious to us. Um, now, you think about it a minute. I, I don't know if you're like me, but there's some things I don't like to lose. I don't like to lose my keys. I mean, I, I kind of come unglued when I lost my keys until I realized you can just leave them in the car. I mean, don't tell anybody we do that, but we just leave them in the car. In fact, my kids come home, and they take them out of the car. I can't find them, you know. I, I don't know where they're at. I say, don't take the keys out of the car. So they're in the car. So I solve that problem. I don't lose my keys anymore. I don't like to lose my wallet. Once in a while, I misplace that. I don't like to carry it on Sunday morning, so I put it in different places. So on Monday morning, I get to Aberdeen, and I don't have my wallet. So I do lose that. I don't like to lose my wallet. But today, something new we don't like to lose. What is it? What's the third thing we nobody wants to be without? What is it? Yep, phone. That's taken, the, that's taken first place. I mean, you don't go anywhere without your phone. And if you do, you're frantic to find it. 
your phone. But I think, I think that our Bibles ought to be in that category. Do we feel that way about them? When I say, to hear you need a Bible, to live you need Bible, you need the Word, shouldn't we feel the same way about losing our keys, our wallet, or now our phone? About the Bible? I hope you do. Now maybe, maybe you're safe. Maybe you're phone is your Bible. Maybe you do it digitally. I'm not there. I do it once in a while digitally, but I, that's not my, my choice. So maybe you do it digitally, but I would say be careful. Be careful that that's just not an excuse. Be careful. Be careful that it, it has the value to you that you don't want to lose it that it is precious to you. That's the kind of feeling I think we ought to have about our Bible. If faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, if we live by it, if our spiritual life is sustained by it, ought it not to be precious to us? I think so. Secondly, to hear means to hear the full counsel of God, not just sound bites. Be careful. Be careful that you get the whole counsel, not just sound bites, that you don't know just sound bites about Scripture. It's easy to do that. It's easy to just pick up things here and there. I, I think there needs to be a diligence to know our Bibles. Not, we don't have to be Bible scholars. Don't, but, but I do think theology is important. Theology is a big word, but it just... It, theology just means what you believe about God. It, it, do you have the proper view of your God? Do you, do you want to know who he is? Do you want to know who he is in, in all of his dimensions? Is that the way you, you come to the Bible? In fact, when you read your Bibles, maybe something that will help you when you read is, is read your Bible to see Christ in it. Particularly in the Old Testament, when you read the Bible, read it to see Pictures of Christ. Read it to see the foretelling of one to come. Read it that way. Read it with Christ at the center, the gospel at the center of it as you read it. But don't just settle for sound bites. I mean, one of the things about sound bites, one of the things, the evidence of sound bites is we, we kind of know a text and we kind of think it's in the Bible, but we have no clue where it's at. Now, I have places that I don't know where they're at. I know texts that I don't know where they're at. But if that's, the, if that's the standard of your diet, if that's the norm of how you live, maybe you're just settling for sound bites. Maybe you're really not getting into it like you said. I, and I say this to all ages here today. I say it particularly for young people today. It, 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 get a Bible. Read that Bible. Read it to see Christ. Make it, make it precious to you. You, you need it. Put that discipline in your life. Put that in your life now as you're young. Go against the flow. You will, particularly if you carry it, you'll go against the flow. But, but go push against that. Push against that. Thirdly, proper hearing, proper hearing will always produce humility. In our lives. 
It will lead us toward humility. If we're properly hearing it in its full counsel and not just settling for sound bites, it will in fact lead us more and more to humility. If anything else is happening, you're not, you're not getting it right. You're, you got too many sound bites. You're maybe not understanding it. But if you really get it, it leads you there. I think that's what the scripture means when it goes on. It says quick to hear. That's what we're talking about now, hearing. But it goes on to say slow to speak. I think that's what it means there. In fact, my experience has been that the more that I know, the more I realize, the less I know. The more I know, I realize really the less I know or how much more there is to know, how little I know. And I think that's why it humbles us. We, we, we start to see who our God is, but we, and when you start to see him, you start to realize there's so much of him I don't understand. And it leads us to humility. It leads us to humility. Number four is proper hearing is aided by getting around people who bleed Bible. Proper hearing is aided. Now that can't be the only way we get it, but it is certainly boosted by getting around people who bleed Bible. Now that may be people you listen to. Make sure those that you listen to, even digitally, that there's great value in technology. There is. So when I say be careful, I I don't want to minimize the value. I mean, there's wonderful opportunities to download People who bleed the Bible, have the full counsel of the Bible, have a balanced understanding of who God is. So, so you have opportunity to get around them that way, but to get around them personally, to get around people who, who are full of the word of God. That's why I think we are greatly blessed in our congregation that we have to do church together. We can't segregate ourselves by age distinctions because of worship preferences. We have to do it together. And, and when you do it together, you have the benefit of generations who have hid the word in their heart and they bleed Bible. And you need to be around people who, who really take it seriously and really bleed it when they speak, particularly when they pray. Do they pray scripture? Is it full of scripture? Is it full of truths about God as they pray? We need to be around people like that. There's a, there's a story that's told about two men who were quoting the 23rd Psalm. I think it's a true story. I've, I've read it a number of places. But they were... They were to recite the 23rd Psalm and the first man got up. He was a great orator and he, he recited the 23rd Psalm and he did it eloquently. It was beautiful. And the second man got up who was elderly and he recited it. And the response when it was all over is that, that uh, both were good and done well. But the first man knew the psalm. The second man knew the shepherd. Get around people who know the shepherd, who, who know the shepherd because they know 
scripture. They're full of scripture about that shepherd, about our God. Um, Fifthly, proper hearing produces the righteousness of God. Back to the text again here. It goes on. It says, be quick to hear, slow to speak. The idea of humility, I think, is built into that. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Slow to anger. Read on a bit. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And then it, it, it gives a little explanation of anger. It says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Anger of man does not produce the righteousness of man. Be slow to anger. Doesn't produce the righteousness of God. So then you ask yourself, what does produce the righteousness of God? Hearing properly. You see? Quick to hear. Slow to speak, humility. Slow to anger. Remedy to anger is to hear. If you're angry, you're not hearing enough. Not hearing enough. Really hearing enough. You struggle with it. It's a symptom. It's a symptom of the lack of hearing. And it does not produce the righteousness of God because the the hearing, proper hearing, does produce the righteousness of God. As we hear it, really hear it, it causes godliness to form in our lives more and more as we go along. So anger is a symptom of, of either not getting enough quantity of hearing or not getting enough quality of hearing. You're just getting sound bites. It's either a quantity or a quality problem of hearing the word. Hearing the scriptures. Number six. Doing flows naturally out of hearing. We're going to come to the text where James says next week, be doers of the word. He doesn't deny that we ought to be doers of the word. But we must understand where that doing comes from, what it needs to flow out of. And I think what it flows out of is it flows out of proper hearing. Look at the text again that we read this morning. It says, therefore, in verse 21, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. But it says, put off, put away filthiness and rampant wickedness. There, in order to hear, we need to put those things off. But then what does it say to put on? What does it say to put on? It doesn't say to put on, but it says rather receive with meekness the implanted word, which then will bear fruit in our lives of putting some things on. Cause us to be doers in the proper way of doing. Proper fruit will flow out. But it flows out of, again, hearing comes out of hearing the word. It is the word, it is the word that sustains life. It is the word that is our means of sanctification. It comes by the word of God as we put it in our lives and allow it to have its full effect. It tells us how to receive it. It says to receive with meekness the implanted word. We're to do it with meekness. Receive it with meekness. goes back to the text that we began with this morning. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness. 
meekness. God wants to produce that in his people. One author, one commentator really said this, the world neither rewards nor respects gentleness, meekness, and humility. But these are key to proper reception of God's word. Worldly wisdom admires arrogance, self-assurance, and the capacity of one's own soul. It's true, isn't it? That's what the world honors and respects. That's why that text, as I read this morning, as we came to prayer time, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Is that true? Not necessarily on this side of the kingdom, or of kingdom fully coming, not on this side of heaven. But one day, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They will, the new heavens and new earth. God is producing a people. He wants them to be a meek people who receive the implanted word, that they might be doers of that word, but flowing out of meekly receiving that word, that sanctification might have its full effect till one day we're glorified and we inherit the earth as our reward in that. So meekness, point number seven, meekness is both the key both the key and the fruit of being quick to hear. Meekness is both the key to hearing and the fruit of hearing the word in our lives. Read on to the last verse here, and then we're going to wrap this up this morning. In verse 21, at the very end, it says, let's read the whole verse. It says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is what? Is able to save your souls. Pretty important, isn't it? Pretty important that we listen because it's talking about saving our souls. Now, you understand, don't you? I hope you do. You've been around long enough to know that that salvation, what we would believe about salvation, is threefold. Salvation is God justifying us in a moment in time when our faith is put in Christ. We pass from death to life, but then that new life begins, and God begins a process of sanctifying us until one day we will be glorified and inherit the new heavens and new earth and dwell with God in his kingdom that has fully come. That's all salvation. So when the Bible says is able to save your souls, it isn't a sense in which we are do it to merit that salvation, but it is, it is what God uses to, he uses to bring us to life. It creates life, the word, but it sustains life. It's what God uses to sanctify his people. It is the means God has chosen to keep his people until the day that he glorifies his people. And ushers them into his kingdom. The word. To be a Christian. Not have the word. Doesn't make any sense. In that text. It is the word. The word needs to be central and precious to us. My hope this morning is that that you see that. We're going to just pray together here in closing in just a moment. And I just want us to reflect. I just want us to ask the question. Are you quick to hear? Are you quick to hear? That's where we began. Are you quick to hear? What place does the word of God have in your life? 
Do you have a Bible and become concerned when you don't know where it is? Or has it been in a place closed up that you don't even know where it is today? I mean, you know the answer to those questions. I just want to admonish you, don't, don't let Satan keep you from it. And when, and when you have a temptation to stay from it, just recognize who's raising that up before you. God isn't tempting you to stay away from your Bible. He says, be quick to hear. It's the enemy of our souls. It's the enemy of your soul. I don't know what response you may need to make to this. Maybe you need to find a Bible. You certainly need to open a Bible often. God help us. Let's pray. Father, we all need to ask your forgiveness this morning. We, none of us, not a one of us in this room fully realizes that we have a God who has revealed himself to us. A God who chose to reveal himself to us. A God who became flesh and dwelt among us. The word came and dwelt among us. There's no God like that in any of the nations of the world like our God who has so revealed himself to a people. And Lord, how you have preserved this book, how your sovereign hand has brought it to us. Lord, I just pray you'll help us. I pray you'll forgive all of us. Forgive me for the times that I neglect your word. And I pray that this could be a a, a real significant time in the lives of some here today that, that they will make some decisions today to to put it in the category of their keys and their wallet and their cell phone it being that important to know where it is not to lose it not to neglect it not to leave it lay God help us God help us Stand with me, will you, and hear this benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you. Other translations say fall, from falling, or this one says stumbling. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy by means of his word. I I inserted that, but we can. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, both now and forever. And all the people said, Amen. God bless you.
peace.